Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. It's an honor and it's a privilege for me to stand before you tonight. What a great, great crowd this is on Wednesday in the Word. And God is worthy to be praised. We started last week in our series. Brother, now I know you act up on that piano. And if you start doing that stuff, I will act up with you. I'm kidding. I don't even have that kind of tool in my bag. I ain't got that. Second week in our series, last week our pastor always does an incredible job of bringing the word to us and he began a brand new series last week and it's a a fantastic series called Like a Child and um, if you missed last week you can go to our podcast and grab that but if not I can catch you up a little bit. It's just a series talking about some looking at the attributes uh, of God from a child's perspective. How many of you know children have, have an interesting way of looking at things? A little bit different. Uh, I don't know why we act like we're different than children. We used to be that, and then now we're this. But we, sometimes we need to go back and be like that. And that's kind of what this series is about, of like looking at God through the eyes and the lens of a child. How does, how does a child look at certain situations? How does a child uh, access those things about God and look at the things of God? How do they see it and how do they act on those things? How would they? And here's the reason why we said that this is important for us to look at God or the attributes of God through a lens of a child because there's something very interesting that happened one day. It's amazing, as a matter of fact, that Jesus was teaching and he was, he was doing what he always did, bringing awesome words of eternal life to people. And some mothers and some fathers brought their children around Jesus. They just wanted him to touch them, to possibly pray for them, and they just start surrounding him. I think that's cool that the God that we serve uh, kids were attracted to. They could get close to him. I think that's a great, great pictorial picture that we have of our God. So, so they, start, they start gathering around him, and something interesting happens. His disciples say, this can't happen. What he has to do, who he is, is too important to be bothered by the, the, these kids that are coming up to him and wanting things from him. And so Jesus says something very interesting. You can find this story in Mark chapter 10. These kids are coming up to him and his disciples just wear these little kids out. Not physically, but just get thee up and get thee out. Get thee away from the master. That's King James Version. And Jesus, his reaction to this is what draws us to this. He says, first of all, he says, I don't like what you're saying to those kids right now. I don't like the way you're handling them. But even more powerful than that, what he says next is like, stop the bus. It's weighty. He says, no, 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 no. First of all, you're wrong in the way you're addressing them. As a matter of fact, you can learn something from these kids. I like Jesus. I like him. These guys he's been running with all this time, they're trying to do what they think is the best thing. And he says, whoa, 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 you're messing up here. So he totally calls them out right in front of everybody. All the moms and dads are standing around going, yeah, 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 let my baby up there. I don't know where that voice came from. 
So he says, here, here's what he says exactly, quote, let the little children come unto me. Let the kids come to me. And then he steps it up to the next level. And this is why we're looking at this, you know, the whole reason we're talking about this, Mark 10, 15. He says, I tell you the truth. Now, I don't know if this is a tone of like, I tell you the truth. Could be. But he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Wait, what? Time out. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. I mean, of all, everything Jesus says is important, right? I mean, we all, they're red letters, right? I mean, but when he says things like, will not, and he says things like, will never, <laughs> that's pretty significant. What Jesus is saying here, I believe he is saying to us, and what he is portraying to us is that in all the approaches that we can have in coming to God, in all of our understanding and wisdom and gaining knowledge of him, what Jesus is teaching us right here is that, yes, we should approach him intellectually. Yes, we should approach him in a very mature way. But above all of that, the very best way to approach God is through the lens of a child. It's the best way. We should at the same time believe and accept his kingdom and with the innocence and the faith of a little child. So in light of how important this is to Jesus, I think it should be important to us, don't you? So one of the attributes tonight that we're going to look at, simply, this is so simple. As a matter of fact, I told Pastor Mitch, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. I said, man, I, it's, just, it's just simple. But you know what? I think God just kind of saw what he had working with. I always get simple stuff. I always, God always talks to me in simple ways. I don't know why that is. Can someone help me with that? You know what we're going to talk about tonight? Are you ready for this? The presence of God through the lens of a child, how a kid sees the presence of God. In other words, how would a child approach or see the presence of God? Now, I know that, let me, let me entertain your intellectual theological uh, uh, appetite with the theological term omnipresence. Now, what that just means, to, what that means is, is that God is everywhere. Somebody ever say everywhere. God's everywhere. He's here. He's there. He's around the world. He's everywhere. And that's a very boring approach. That's a very adult-like approach. But a child would say, God is not just everywhere, but a a child would say, my God is with me. Why don't you try saying that with me? Say, my God is with me. He's not just everywhere. In fact, he is. But he is with me. He's a very personal God who is by my side. It is this simple point that makes all the difference in the presence of God. How you view the presence of God matters. And so if it matters, then looking through the eyes and the perspective of a child, the presence of God 
means that God is with me. He's right beside me. Presents to children mean a whole lot. How many of you have kids? How many of you know that, man, I'm just learning this. We, we not Almost nine months. He's already in that weird stage of like, if we go to the other room, he gets weird about it. He wants to see us. He wants. Well, he doesn't have to touch us, but he has to see us. Presence matters to kids. Now, all of you could tell your own stories about how important presence is uh, in, in a childlike uh, state. For example, how many of you got left at church when you were a kid? Anybody in this house besides me? How many of you got left in a grocery store? Go ahead, participate. Just play along. Just, just raise your hand. Anybody get left in a grocery store? How many of you remember that like it was yesterday? Absolutely. You don't forget stuff like that. You know what they say? They say it was an accident, but week after week when it starts, it starts happening, it's like there's no way that could be an accident. I mean, you've left me at church now four times this week. You don't forget stuff like that. Presence matters to kids. It, let me tell you why you remember being left as a child. Because it scarred you. That's why. Because you're messed up from it. That's why you got night lights around your bed at night. Because you got left at the grocery store. Now, for those of you that didn't have the privilege of growing up around church, those of you that didn't grow up and have the horror stories and the great honor of having the, uh, the, the word rapture as a household uh, word in your life and a part of your conversation in your house, let me explain something to you. Uh, I grew up in a house where the rapture was talked about a whole, 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 whole lot. And I had the privilege of having some end-time videos and some rapture videos readily available to my nine-year-old brain. Can I get a good amen for some distant thunder and a thief in the night videos? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. These things were like from the 70s. They were the... They were terrible, but they were the creepiest, scariest. I'm talking about mess you up from nine years old and up. It was petrifying. Good God. I dare you to go YouTube Distant Thunder. You won't even sleep tonight. (laughs) Hand of God. It shakes me to my very core to think about it. My God, Lord Jesus, take me now. I remember waking up from a nap one time. Y'all ain't never done this. I was just a kid, and waking up, and the house was empty. <laughs> Why y'all do that? You parents, y'all are evil. So uh, there's like a cold, cold uh, little nip on the breeze. You know, it's just, it's just messed up, everything. And there's only one thought I have. It's the rapture. I've missed it. God, I'm by myself. Y'all don't know what I'm... Some of you are like, I don't even know what rapture is. It's the catching away of the church for all eternity. And you're left behind. And you're nine. It's kind of a big deal. My parents were absent. Listen, there was no other reasoning. It wasn't, hey, you know, they could be at the church. They could be at the laundromat. They could be at the... No, it was the rapture. They're not here. It must be the rapture. And this is... Listen to me. My sister was there. But we all knew she wasn't going. She knew it. I knew it. They knew it. 
she was no help at all. I mean, it was, that was worse. That was like, oh God, oh my God. Panic, absolute, absolute terror, man. If somebody say amen so I can move on. Okay. If, listen. If you if you didn't make the rapture, that means like you you were you were gone for all eternity, separated from everyone, and you're alone. And you're this was before cell phones. Y'all remember this? Like this was like when cell phones, like when you left the house, you didn't exist. Remember those days? Like I couldn't get a hold of them. You with me? Like if you're not with me, you don't exist. Y'all, y'all don't remember that. You kids now don't remember that. But there was a day with no cell phones. Now I can get a hold of anybody in this room at any given time. But there was a day when you left the house, you could be raptured, you could be dead, you could be on your way to Hawaii. Nobody knew. And when you're nine, that messes with you. Parents, turn your cell phones on. So let's move on. Kids have this unbelievable need for presence. We just need to know. We need someone there beside us. Because presence really matters to kids. And and little kids, it isn't going they're not going to say, "My God is everywhere. He's all over the world, so I'm okay right now." That's not how kids say it. Kids say, "I'm going to be okay right now in this room by myself because God is right here with me." That's how they view it. Isaiah 41, get this. I love this promise from God. This is what God says to his kids. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Do not fear, God says. Why, God? Why can't I be afraid? Because I am with you. Hebrews 13, 5, another promise that you know so well. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The power in this promise of him never leaving us, him never forsaking us, is for you and I to believe the promise. For us to really, really, really buy in to God is with me. Not that God is real. Not that God exists. Not that he is everywhere at all times and in, in, in every time zone. But that he is right here, right now beside me while I preach. Someone shout, God is with me. It makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Now, what's so interesting to me is to see the history of the Word of God is how God displays His presentation of Himself. It changes. God never changes, but His presentation changes. For example, in the Old Testament, when God would say, I'm with you, it kind of just meant that, hey, me and you, we're kind of on the same page. I'm with you, but I'm kind of with you in like the big terminology of like, what you're doing, I'm okay with. I'm behind you. I'm with you. But in the New Testament, when Jesus came, he's called Emmanuel, which which means God with us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he was by our side in a physical form walking, talking, doing God things that were amazing. 
that were amazing. And, but but here, here's the whole deal. And we shout about that, and we should. But it got better. God always does that. When Jesus gave his life on the cross and he's raised from the dead, he says, hey, I'm going to leave, but for your sake, it's the best thing possible. Now, how can it be the best thing possible for me to take my presence from you? How can it be a good thing for me to leave the room that I'm standing with you in right now? That sounds like a bad idea at nine years old. It sounds like a bad idea when you're 32 and you're a disciple of Jesus. He said, I got to go away. And so he says, here's why. Because I'm going to send my spirit. And I'm not just going to be with you any longer. Not just by your side. But I'm going to be in you. My physical presence. I'm going to be in you. My spirit is going to dwell inside of you. And in that case, no matter where you go, if you've got Jesus on the inside, every place you go, every room you walk into, every plan of a plane you get on and don't jump out of and you land somewhere, that's where, if you jump out of a plane, God is not there. He says, I will never, I will never, I will never. Somebody say never. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you combine this promise with the faith of a child and you believe and you say, I know that 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 God is with me. And you internalize it. You internalize that. You get that in your heart that my God's with me. My God is with me. It changes everything. So that's it. That's the whole message. You're dismissed. I'm just kidding. Sit down. God is with us. God is with us. Here's what I want to talk about. Simple, very simple things. In light of the truth, this huge idea that God is with us. God, that is huge. It sounds so small, but it's huge. God is with us. What are some practical ways? What are some practical ways that we can utilize this incredible truth? Of God being with us in our everyday lives. How should we respond to a God that is right beside us all the days of our life? How should we approach this? The first thing I'd point out is, it is possible, it is, to be present and not be present. My wife tells me I have perfected this. If you want lessons on how to be present but not be present. You with me? Some of you are present right now and you're not present at all. You've been eating at Denny's for the last 25 minutes. It's, it's when you're with someone and they look at you and say, you don't even know I'm sitting over here, do you? What? Yeah, I was. No, you don't. I've been talking to you the whole time. You didn't hear a word I said. Being present, but not being present. So, so here, here's my thought. My first thought is, is if God is with us all the time, man, think about that all the time. Don't you think it would be fitting for us to sometimes kind of find a way to be with Him? That seemed logical. You know, like present with Him, especially because He's there all the time. So the question is, how can we be with Him? How can we just have a moment with God who is always with us? I'm going to give you very three simple things, and I'm going to go really fast. So... Biblical childlike truths that we can all have a moment with God. Number one, number one, since God is already with us, the first thing we need to do, every single one of us, I encourage you to do it, to acknowledge Him, to just simply talk to Him. Talk 
to him. A lot of you are like, wait a minute, that sounds a whole lot like prayer. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it, prayer. Oh, it's going to be one of those prayer messages. Oh, yeah, kind of. But we're going to make it like a kid, so we're just going to call it talking. Prayer is a biblical term. Talking is the same thing. And I believe that prayer, we're going to call it talking because I believe prayer can be very intimidating to people, even veteran Christians of the faith, uh, like me. So sometimes we can get confused. Sometimes people, they, they, I, want to, I want to pray. I want to learn to pray. I want to, I want to try to pray. I want to do what I can to pray. I want to know how to pray. For example, I don't even know how to begin. Like, for example, I hear people begin like, Dear Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Creator, Sustainer. Well, I mean, that's just the beginning. And I don't even know where to begin. Where do I even start? Oh, no. Ah. Ever been there? I get you because I grew up where we used to have prayer meetings. Like now we have prayer meetings. But no, we had prayer meetings. Like we have a prayer meeting now, but we used to have long prayer meetings. And in these prayer meetings, I heard things that were just unbelievable. I heard, I'm talking about get down Charlie Brown prayer meetings. I'm talking about... Sometimes, like, this is kind of funny, but uh, it's true, and I'm not being disrespectful. I'm, I'm not. Folks change their entire voice box in prayer meeting. I'm serious. They didn't just have talking voices. They had prayer voices. And I didn't have one. I just had old talking voice. And there I was in prayer meeting, hearing people using prayer talking. And I didn't have prayer voices. And hey, what's wrong with me? Because I don't have one of those. And his prayer voice sounds mad. And I want to get mad. And hers sounds like she's, you know, from British Columbia. If you're new to prayer, you know what I'm talking about. If you're brand new to church, and like everybody else in here is kind of like, yeah, okay, we've heard this. But if you're new to prayer, this is different. This is interesting because you don't know the sounds and the things that people do. So it's intimidating sometimes. And for me, the Lord Jesus, I went to Bible school, y'all. I went to Bible school. And I went up in their prayer meetings. And let me tell you, they were praying three and four hours. Here I am. I'll never forget my first one. I'm down there. I'm, oh, God. My prayer voice. Hear it? So I say, I'm like, oh, God, oh, God. Three things I pray. No. I, I don't know. I had nothing. I had nothing. I'm wearing it out. And I got, no, my mind is out in the yard. Like, and it's tired. My mind is tired from running out there. And I'm stuttering and trying to get my way through it. And my favorite is when I, it's just, y'all don't know anything about this, but this is just me venting. I get so weird sometimes in that stuff, well, back then, that I would go, oh my God, God, what did I just say? <laughs> now, that's a shame that you don't remember what you just talked to God about. Like, I don't know, you don't know. It was terrible. I was bored, God was bored. He's like, Josh, this is dumb. You're making me sleepy. Just stop right now. Josh, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to stop. 
and I want you to think like a child would think. I mean, come, I, I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here, and you're being weird with your voice. A child would just simply come to me, and they would realize that I'm right here, and they'd just start talking to me. You just start talking to him like a friend. In fact, I love the way David says this. And you know, by the way, David was a man after God's own heart, not his words, but God's words about David. So David says this, and we kind of get a sneak peek into David's prayer life. And I think this is so cool, because you actually get to hear a prayer meeting going on that David is doing. He says in Psalms 54 and 2, he says to God, Hear my prayer, O God. That's his prayer voice. Listen to the, listen, listen to the words of my mouth. Isn't that cool? David saying, oh, okay, I'm about to start talking. And I want you to hear what I'm about to start saying. The words are going to come out of my mouth, God. Is that funny? Isn't that awesome? The man after God's own heart was just talking about words coming out of his God, and I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Just start talking to God. Really? No voice, no voice. Just, just start talking. Another thing. If you're not careful, you'll start feeling like you've got to have these four-hour prayer times and you know, you're supposed to be a pastor and you're actually supposed to pray more than other people and that's all we do is pray, of course. And I'm not saying you shouldn't block some time and have a, a devotion and prayer time with your family and for yourself. Do that. But I'm talking about like if you text a friend. Here's what I found. Like if you talk to God like you're texting a friend throughout the day, these short little, these short little communications with God like, Hey God, what do you want me to do about this? Like, hey, God, what do you want me to do about this situation? God, I need your help right now in this. Hey, God, dot, dot, dot. What do you want me to say? Question mark. Hey, God, thank you for the opportunity to work on this person. Hey, God, show me what you want me to do next. Hey, God, help me to pray for this person. Hey, God, show me who to pray for. Ongoing communication with God. I have found that just simply talking to him throughout the day actually adds up to more than three to four to five hours. And it's actually meaningful because I'm actually treating him like he is right there beside me. Just talk to him. And you may say, and, and I've said this, what, what do you talk about? What? Do you, what, what, what do you, I, don't, I don't know what to talk about. I, I don't even, that's my issue. I mean, I know how to start, but I don't know where to go from there. And here's what Paul told the, uh, the Philippians, something about prayer that I think will help all of us. You ready for this? You might want to write this down because this is deep. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, he says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, you should pray about everything. So, what does everything include? Somebody help me. Everything. Pray about your geometry test. Pray about your hamster getting loose out of the cage or just let it go, whatever. Pray about, pray about what to get that person for Christmas that you, has everything and you're mad about it. Ask God to help you. Pray about the marriage that's going, that, that you have that's not going so well. Pray about that. Pray about the deal, uh, that, that, that cousin that's coming for Christmas, you know, the one that always calls the trouble. And if you're sitting here saying, I don't have that, it's probably you, right? If you don't, everybody has that. So... You pray about everything, he says. Every, every, everybody say everything. 
everything. Then the scripture says, then it goes on to say, once you start getting that in your brain, your heart, I'm going to pray about everything. I'm just going to act like God is with me and I'm going to act like I can talk to him about anything. And then watch what happens in the very next drop down to seven. It says, then, everybody say then, then, after you talk to him about it, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Because you simply talk to him about the circumstance, you get the peace. Because my God is with me, I will talk to him and have a moment with him. Number two, just by talking to him. Number two, second thing a child would tell us to do about the presence of God. Hey, since God's with you, you might ought to listen. You might ought to listen. He may have something to say. Noteworthy stuff. Deuteronomy 30 and 20 tells us that listen, listen, listen to God's voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Listen to God's voice. Now, I know a lot of people, even veteran Christians, who would say, I've never heard God's voice. I listen for it. I've been praying a lot of years. I never heard God's voice. And if I did, it probably sound like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Anybody ever thought that? I did. This is what, this is what the Lord... I mean, I believe God can speak to us in audible voices. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He can still do it. If he decides to do it tonight, that'd mess me up. But he can if he wants to. But most of the time, most of the time, he uses other ways. He can use all kinds of things. But here's what I have found to be true. If you pray, and I know you all do, and if you have a time with God, and I know you all do, then there ought to be a time for you to... In other words, you've got to stop... Well, that's hard to do, isn't it? Because I feel like I've got to say something because I don't actually see him. So I've got to fill that dead space. No, you need to and open these. But the question is, how do I know God's speaking? How do I know his voice? How do I know when it's really him or if it's just, you know, something I'm thinking? Well, unquestionably, the best and the most reliable way to hear God's voice is to read his word. You read his word. He'll speak to you. It doesn't happen. It's amazing. It doesn't matter how many times you read this Bible through, and you can read it through four or five times a year, whatever you do. There's a lot of great apps out there for that. You should do it. But every single time, it's amazing what happens. Inevitably, you'll open it up one morning, you'll be going through something, and you'll read something and go, How do you know? How do you know? This is, this is spooky. This is getting weird. Anybody ever say that? Because God is speaking to you through his word. It's a relevant word for what you're going through. That's just how God talks to his kids. When you make it a part of your daily life, he will talk to you. God will speak to you. He will speak to you through people. He'll speak to you through friends, pastors, parents. He'll speak to you through all kinds of things. He'll even speak to you through songs. God speaks to me all the time through the radio. God talks to you through circumstances. Sometimes big, giant doors that you think you're about to walk through and they slam right in your face. You go, oh, okay. I'm supposed to go this way. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it, yeah. That's God telling you to go back that way. Stop trying to pry the door open and say, God, I know in the name. No, it's a shut door. Go back the other way. Holy Spirit can speak to you. We saw that on, on Sunday evening. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We have to listen. Some of you are like, ooh, that kind of sounds creepy. The Holy Spirit speaking to me. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't want to get into that sort of thing. 
the most simple thing you can do, if, if you're not really sure if you've ever heard from the Holy Spirit, I want to give you something that's really cool that will absolutely work. Here's what you do. Or if it's been a long time since you heard the voice of God or the Spirit of God speaking in your ear. Here's what you do. You can try it tonight. Go home before you go to bed. Get out a piece of paper and get a pen and sit there and pray and say, God, I want you, I want you right now to give me some names of some people that I can pray for. And start just praying to God and, and begin to write down names. You can watch what happens. Let's try this. You want to get fancy. You want to take it up a notch. God, I want you to begin to whisper in my ear and to begin to talk to me about what to pray about going on in the world. And watch what happens. Ooh. You know what's going to happen? You're going to start writing names. And you can get really super awesome, awesome fancy, and then you can pick up a phone and go, Hey, Pastor, uh, I was just writing your name down on a piece of paper because I, I felt like you just came to my mind, and I wanted to let you know that I'm praying for you. Send. Let me tell you what happens most of the time. You'll get one, bing, right back. You wake up your wife, and it'll say something like, Going through a lot. And I really appreciate that. It was right on time. That kind of, anything, anybody ever seen that happen? The Holy Spirit speaking to you. And you're like, wow, I just heard from God. Yeah, it's cool. He's been there the whole time. The whole time he's right there, his voice is leading you. The longer you walk with God, and I know some of you veterans in here are like, this is so simple. It is simple. But the longer you walk with him, the more keen your ear is to hear him. The more you practice in it, the more he can get involved in your daily life and lead you and guide you and direct you and show you the path that you should be taking. But you've got to work in it. You've got to practice in it. Start with a piece of paper and pen. Isaiah 30 and verse 21 says, this is so cool. This is so cool. Check this out. Whether you turn to the right or whether you turn to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Oh, that's cool. Is that cool? I hasten. I hasten. So when, when you have the presence of God readily available in your life, you should talk to him and you should listen to him. Number three, because my God is with me, because my God is with me, I also need to receive from him. Now, this seems so obvious, right? God is, a, he owns cattle on a thousand hills. He has all the power in heaven and earth. It seems obvious that we would receive from him. But the problem is, we as adults have a problem with receiving things. We have a problem with it. Let me tell you why. Because most of us uh, have this receiving as a transactional receiving situation. Meaning that when you give me something, that means I must have or now I have to go get you something. That's what that means. So we struggle in this receiving things. We don't like to get things. We don't like to receive things from people without giving something back to them. But if we're going to learn anything from children, or we're going to look through the perspective of children, especially through the presence of God, or at the, the attribute of God, or His presence, then we absolutely have to glean this, that kids know how to get some receiving. They know how to receive some receiving. Amen? Kids are good at getting. Christmas is coming up. Moms and dads, are you starting to buy stuff? I've never heard a kid at Christmas time say, you know, 
I just don't really have a need for all this. You know what? One's enough. I know I got 40 right now, but you know, last year was good. I really hadn't been that good this year. Why don't you just load all this stuff back up, Mom, and, you know, unmax your credit card, and then, I'm sorry, financial peace, Lord, your first night back. I apologize. I apologize. Kids are great at receiving. You've never heard kids say, no, that's too much. No, not, nah, I don't need it. What a joke. In the history of Kittim, those words have never been uttered. But instead, what we hear them say is, bring it on, baby. Load me down, right? No, I was the only kid. I feel spoiled rotten up here now. Every one of us is like, bring on the presents. It's Christmas time. Get out of my way. We're rip- This is so crazy. You rip into one. You open it. Ah. <laughs> right? And that makes you so mad. Oh, my God. We paid $30 for that. He's playing with another one. We do too much. We do too much. You do, but your kids don't think you do. You don't do enough. Kids know how to receive. And with a childlike faith in the presence of God, we have to learn to receive from God. He is just waiting on his children to be willing to receive all that he has for us. Let me tell you a few things that he has in his presence waiting for you and I to receive. If we'll just believe. He has courage when you are afraid. For the scripture says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. In his presence, there's courage when you're afraid. In God's presence, he gives you strength when you're weak. In God's presence, he gives you rest when you're weary. In God's presence, he gives you comfort when you're hurting. Come on, somebody. I mean, if you know right now that there's people sitting in this room that you're going through the trials of your life, you're going through hurting struggles and agony right now in your life. And what I want you to believe and understand tonight is that if you can literally receive from God right now, in this moment, right smack dab in the middle of your trouble, He has something for you. Get this. You've got to get this. I about lost it when God gave me this. Second uh, Corinthians 1 and 3. In the, it says, at the beginning of verse 4, it says, Praise be to the God of, our, of all comfort, who comforts us in, everybody say in, all of our troubles. God comforts us in all of our, in, he doesn't wait for you to get through it. He doesn't wait for you to figure it out. But the God of all comfort can right now in the middle of your trial, your tribulation, what you're facing in this moment. He has the ability. He has the power. Right now, before you figure it out, before you get the check in the mail, in this moment, he can bring you comfort in your troubles. That Say a good amen right there. Doesn't matter. God can bring deliverance. I used to play this game. Pastor Andy, you can help me. I'll close. I used to play this game when I was a kid. Maybe you played this. I, if you didn't, you missed out. because It was a game of my daddy's bigger than your daddy. No? No takers? My, dad, my daddy can beat up Superman. No, he can't. Yes, he can. How do you know? I know. 
My daddy can break board with his hand like a two-by-four. He can break it. My daddy can beat up Chuck Norris. He really couldn't. Nobody can beat up Chuck Norris. My daddy can eat more than your daddy. I'm serious. My daddy's stronger than your daddy. On and on and on. It just got weird. just got silly. My daddy can do anything. And if my dad, when I came in, if we were kids were ever around and we were doing this, my dad would overhear me saying, yeah, my daddy can, he'd go, yeah, I can, I can do that. He'd play right along. Matter of fact, my dad is excellent at this. He would come in from work and he'd come in and he'd like run through the door and slam the door behind me. We'd be like eyes wide open like something's wrong. He'd come in and throwing his shirt off, all kinds of, I just fought a bear out in the parking lot. No joke. He scratched my back. He, he nearly killed me, but thank God I had my pocket knife because I killed that bear outside a while ago. And I'd be like, ah, I don't know. I'm going to ask some probing questions. What color was he? <laughs> like that was going to, you know. And he, he'd answer it, right? And I'd go, oh my God, are you okay? He, he's, he still does that with my sister's kids and, you know, my unsaved sister. The point is, there is a point. The point is, is that I believe my dad could do anything. I just believed he could do anything. Because a childlike faith says my daddy can do anything. I would to God that we could get that kind of childlike, I didn't say childish faith, I said childlike faith in our heavenly father, the biggest baddie daddy of them all. That we could believe that he wants to handle our troubles. He wants to handle our difficulties. He wants to handle our dilemmas. And he's looking for somebody that will believe that he is with you and that he wants to work for you and that he will do what he said that he will do. God just needs somebody to let him do for you what he wants you to do. Now, I think sometimes one of the reasons that we don't do so well in, in believing that God is with us is because we can't see him. So what I have decided to do to help our childlike faith is I'm going to ask Brother Vaughn to come up here and to help me out briefly. Everybody give Brother Vaughn a great big hand. He's going to help me out. So, Brother Vaughn, you're going to be God. I'm just going to be plain on me. So, God is with me. Everywhere I go, God is with me. Everywhere I go. How you doing, brother? You okay? Everywhere I go, my God is with me. He's right there with me. He's, uh, he's with me in the balcony. He's with me in the choir loft. He's with me when I get in trouble, when I get stuff in my way. I got to move stuff out of the way. My God is with me. But he's behind me. You notice that? So he, so I'm, I'm making my own way. So, But God is with me. Everybody say, God's with me. Is he with me? So God is with me. And he wants to do something for me. I just got to let him do it. I got to get out of the way. I got to let God be God. I got to stop acting like I can handle everything on my own. 
If I'm not mistaken, he's a pretty big guy. Don't Is he about to kill me right now for embarrassing him? He looks like he can handle himself. Watch this. Stand up, cancer. I can't handle you by myself. I mean, I mean, you, you're big. You look insurmountable to me. But if I'll get out of the way, and I'll put my faith in God, and a God that's bigger than me, a God that's greater than me, a God that can handle anything, I step out of the way and I say, God, would you handle cancer? Set him down. Manhandle him. Put him down. Set him down. Set him. You didn't even want to mess with him. You want to mess with me, but you don't want to mess with him. Stand up, addiction. Stand up, addiction. I don't want to face addiction by myself. I've been trying to fight it forever. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If I'll get out of the way and put my faith in daddy, if daddy will step in for me and take my place, deliverance can come. Deliverance can come. Salvation can come. Come on. My God is with me. If God be for me, who then can be against me? Here's what we have. We have an issue with us trying to figure out all the issue. When we got the biggest, the baddest God ever that wants to get involved in the problems, in the issues of your finances, of your kids. He wants to deliver. He wants to set free. He wants to break chains. You have got to get out of the way and let God do what only He can do. Give God a shout of praise. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says... You've been walking around fighting your battles. Guess what? Newsflash. I'm texting you right now. The battle's not yours. It's his. Stop flexing your spiritual muscles. God's not impressed. He wants to do it for you. He wants to work for you. God is with you. Somebody say, God is with me. Here's what I'm convinced of, and everybody's staying. We're closing. We have a mentality of getting things, not receiving them. Get means to gain by struggle and effort. But the Bible doesn't talk about getting. It talks about receiving. You know why? Because you can't buy God. In other words, you can't get good enough to get him to do something for you. He just naturally wants to do it. God wants to step up. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. So stop trying. Just start receiving it. Just start receiving it. I dare you. Here's what I dare you. Here's the task. 
We're going to just, listen, we're going to be out of here in five minutes. But here's what I dare you to do. I dare you to get out of your seat. I dare you to come to the front of this building just for a few moments. I dare you all the way here to say, God, the battle's not mine, it's yours. I'm believing that you're with me. I'm believing that you're for me. I'm believing that you're going to do something great in my life. I believe you can do anything. I believe you're big enough and you're bad enough to handle anything that I got. Come on, make your way up here right now. Start start talking to him. Start talking to You don't have to use your prayer voice. Just go ahead and talk to him right now. God wants to do it. I dare you to begin to have a childlike faith. I dare you to start believing for the impossible. I dare you to receive everything that God has for your life. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.